veil was torn in two. And that separation that was there between us and God was done forever. Because everyone who is in Christ, everyone who makes the, the Lord Jesus Christ their king and, and receives that forgiveness, God looks at, at us and he says, you are holy, you're sacred, you are clean. And because of that, we have a free, free, free entrance and openness into the presence of God like no one has ever had before except for all the people that lived before us, you know, after Jesus died. But you get my drift, right? To be called out by God means that he looks at us and he says, you are holy. And he says, you are beloved. You are beloved. Not just beloved in a, in a nice social sense. Everybody loves Derek. He's such a cool guy. God himself looks at you and says, man, you're, I love you. I love you. You're my child. I chose you. I called you out. I made you blameless. I made you holy. I paid your sin. God did that. God did that. You know, I don't even want to pay someone's ticket. But that's important to remember that we're called beloved in the eyes of God. How many of y'all had a really bad time in your life, maybe recently, and you didn't feel, feel so loved? You didn't feel so noticed? Maybe you felt like you were in a dark spot. Maybe somebody, some of the people here fell into a, a lifestyle and they, they knew God was convicting their heart that, man, this is wrong. I know a lot of people, they get stuck in places and they, they feel like I'm, <laughs> because of where they're at, they, it's almost like they can't turn back to God. But God says, no, you're beloved. You're mine. To be called out to be the elect of God means to be holy. It means that we are sacred, that we are loved. Not that you should be, not just that you can be, but that you are. That you are. And he says, let me find it. Holy blood. Therefore, put on tender mercies. Put on kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. And this is an, uh, especially important for the men here. Because the men here are going to be called out to be, to be leaders. Leaders in their workplace. Leaders in their families, they're going to have wives, they're going to have children, they're going to have other people looking at them, watching them. And the Bible says that we have to be clothed. When people look at us, they should see mercy. They should see mercy. When, you're, when your wife or your future wife Wakes up with an attitude you don't feel so hot. How should you react, men who just took an oath, with mercy, right? Especially because you probably got something to last the whole week by yourself. But that's a different story. Be clothed in mercy. Say, put on kindness, humility. What's the opposite of humility? 
What was that? Pride? Boastful? Right? Meekness. And here's, here's one I want to take a second, because this is one of my favorite, favorite attributes of a Christian that we should have. Who here can give me, can tell me what meekness means? Anybody? Were you volunteering her, or? <laughs> patience? Okay, that's, that's a good one. Gentleness, patience, okay. Meekness, anyone else? What was that? Small? Yeah, a lot of people think, man, he's so meek. He's, you know, fragile. No. That strong, big, strong, manly men can be meek. Patient and gentle. I think those are good. I, I get this from Pastor Mark. He has a, a really, really good analogy about training horses and being meek, and I'm not going to try and reproduce it, okay? But what meekness really means is it means not forcing an outcome. Not forcing an outcome. How easy is it when you get mad, when you get upset, to just try and strong arm it? No, you will do this. No, you won't do this. Right? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know what's going on on that side of the room. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. You know? And I, you know, I think of, man, I think of, I used to work on buses for a little while, and every time I would try to force that that wrench, man, I cracked my knuckles, and that that was not, that was not nice. But it means, What? Get across, yeah. There goes the mechanic over there, okay. Should have just not said nothing. No, but meekness, taking the time it takes. And even more importantly than that, giving God the time he needs to work in our hearts. Giving God his time to work in our family's life. Praying and saying, Lord, I need your help, and giving him the time to do the work for you. Because so often in our lives, in our work, in our relationships, we, we get caught up with how we need to fix this, how we need to make this happen, right? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know, it's the same thing with salvation. When I talk to so many people, uh, even, even today I talk to someone and they, well, you know, I'm doing all this and I... I can't, really, I can't really become a Christian because I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to keep doing those things, so I don't know what to do. Right? What am I going to do? I got to get right first. I have to make it happen. It doesn't work that way. You can try. I'll talk to you in a year when you're still dealing with the same subject. It doesn't work that way. We have to give those things to God. Just like in salvation, all we can do is come before the Lord and say, Lord, I need you to do this for me. You already did. I just, Lord, I want it. Here's my life. Take it. Forgive me. And the same thing, we have to start actively giving these things over to the Lord and not trying to strong arm subjects. Because your, your brother, your sister, your wife, your, your boyfriend, your whoever it is, that's a freaking knucklehead. Why you got to look at Hagen? <laughs> Dang, man, she just sold you out to the pastor. No. You can't change that person. Has anybody ever, ever successfully walked into a room and changed somebody? No? I didn't think so. I haven't. I haven't. I think, well, on Skyrim I did once, but I don't think that counts. But let me read this list one more time. 
to put on mercy, to walk in kindness, to be humble, to realize, you know what? For one, I'm not greater than anybody in this room. And for, for whatever, whatever I can boast in, whatever I think I have, before God, I don't really even have that. Because everything I do have, he gives. It's all a gift, man. To walk in humility, right? Humbleness, meekness, and long suffering. Oh, nope. He did it. He did it. He did it again. It's done. He's out. No more part of my life. Dang, didn't Jesus say 70 times 77 or whatever he said? Long suffering. To allow yourself, we've talked about this, allow yourself to be vulnerable for the sake of someone else. Why, why in the world would we want to fulfill that list? That sounds great. Oh, we're in church. We got to listen. We got to do these things. No, no, no. Really, why in the world would we want to do that? That doesn't sound real tough, right? Why in the world would we want to do that? Because that right there, that's a description of Jesus. That is a description of Christ. The one who had all power, all authority, who can boast, who can judge, who, you know, can force an outcome. And he came and made himself nothing and made a servant for everyone so that they could understand what true love looks like. You want your wife to understand love? You want your children to understand love? You want your your family to understand love? Great. Show it to them. Show it to them. And I believe that's why he says it first, because he goes on to, well, let's see. I don't want to get it too far ahead of myself. He goes on, verse 13, And bearing with one another and forgiving one another, If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Now, when I say, hey, if I told you, hey, okay, wait, we're about to go in this house. There's this dude in there. He's like this and this. Just just bear with him. Just bear with him. Does that sound real positive? No. Okay. It doesn't. So when Paul says, bear with one another, what should that imply? about our our situation with one another. It's not always going to be comfortable. It's not always going to be good, right? Sometimes you just got to bear with Hagen. I mean, it's just... (laughs) You need to calm down back there. (laughs) No, no, no. I love Hagen, man. He's cool. Um, Bear with one another and do what? And forgive. Forgive one another. If anyone has a complaint against another... Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. What did it cost for, for Christ to forgive us? I mean, it cost his life. What did it cost us? Did you have to prove yourself? Did you have to take an entrance exam? Well, if you can quote the uh, first, you know, five books of the Bible, then maybe we'll, no. No. So often... So often people hold grudges and they hold hurt on their heart because of something someone did. And so they can't forgive that person because of this hurt. But if I don't forgive patience, 
that doesn't affect her day. She's out shooting pictures in Mexico or something. She don't care. <laughs> it doesn't affect her. All it does is it holds that weight on my heart. That's it. I'm the one that gets affected. I'm the one that hurts. Not her. Doesn't help anything. And if we have a complaint against anyone before, before our mouth opens up, and we cause ourselves to sin, we remember what Christ did for us and how freely his love was for us. And let's first forgive one another. Forgive one another. Verse 14. But above all things, put on love which is the bond of perfection. What does it mean to love? I've been asking that question to a lot of people lately. What does it mean to love? Uh-oh. You know, we've talked about it a little bit in here before, but what it comes down to is love comes out to doing what is best for someone else regardless, regardless of how it affects you, right? So let me give you an example. Let's say, uh, <laughs> check this out. So you and, your, you and your friend are walking down, and you see someone, and they're, I don't know, just make up something, make it bad. Not too bad. Right? You see him, and your friend goes, <laughs> man, that guy needs help, right? That guy needs help. Now, what if before he said that, I said, man, that guy needs help. There's a big difference in that, right? See, a lot of times we look at situations and we, we look at the situation and we put it off on the other person as something they need to deal with. Or we allow it, allow it to affect us, oh, because of them, because of what they're doing, oh, this is how it affects me. And so now I'm mad. Now I'm upset. Now I'm hurt. That's a whole lot of I. That's a whole lot of selfishness, right? We have to start looking at people in their struggles, in their brokenness, just like Jesus looked at me when I was in a dark place, when I was messed up, more messed up, right? He looked at me and he said, man, you ready? Because I'm here to help. That's it. He was always waiting, right? We have to start looking at people in their hurt, their brokenness, their dirtiness, because guess what? That's how people live in varying degrees, but that's the world. That's the real life. And we have to start saying, how can I serve that person? Regardless of how it might affect us, right? Because when you start looking at someone, when you can stare someone in the eyes and you can focus on and ask yourself the question, what can I do right now to love this person? All those words that make you angry, all the dumb things they're about to say, whatever it is, man, that just starts flying off. Because you're no longer focused on yourself. You're no longer focused on yourself. You're focused on, on them. You know, it's pretty interesting. Christ had, what's up, brother? Christ had all the glory. 
Christ had all the power. Jesus was it, the I am. He says, before Abraham was, I am. He is the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. And he came to love us. And you know what he, ha- what he had to do first? He had to come and live in the dirt, just like we did. And sometimes I don't think we understand that loving people means we got we to gotta allow ourselves to reach out and feel what they feel for just a brief second. And when we can do that, that's when we connect. That's when people hear. That's when people see and understand this Jesus person that you're talking about. When they begin to see a love and feel a love that they've never seen before. And that's why the Bible calls it the bond of perfection. Because if you're looking at how to love and serve someone else, all the small details, all the things you don't like, the parts where you don't get along, those things fade away. Because it's no longer about me. Does that make sense? Y'all with me on that? Some of y'all are like, no. It's all good. The Bible says we love because God first loved us, right? Verse 15. I love this verse. And let the peace. Can I have someone else read that? What does that say? And let the peace of God do what? Rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. And, what, and be thankful. Check this out. This is something I've been thinking on for a while now. You know, the peace of God is, is, is a thing. It's something. It's, it's something real. We're not, we're not having a psychological, philosophical conversation here, right? I got a Christian ethics class tomorrow morning. I can do that later. No. The peace of God is, is, is a living thing. In fact, I dare say his name is Jesus Christ, right? We find him in the Holy Spirit. But it's also a real attribute. You know, in Luke, in Luke chapter 10, you don't have to turn there. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out his apostles into the, the towns and the cities. And any of you who have been part of my home church recently have probably heard this. But, and he tells the people, when you go into a new village, when you go into a new place and they receive you, you know what the first thing he says to do is? Speak peace to this house and your peace will rest upon it. Hold up. Wait a minute. How many of you have ever heard or seen a minister, Christian, let's just, leave, let's just say Christian, anybody walk up and walk in the door and say, peace to this house? Never. Ever, 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 ever. But Jesus' own word says, when you enter a home, speak peace to this house, and your peace will rest on it. That means something very real is happening there, right? Let me, uh, let me fix this real quick. There we go. Something very real is happening there. And he says, you know, and if they don't accept you, you leave, and guess what? Your peace will return to you. That doesn't sound like you know, loose words to me. The peace of God is something that, that is game-changing. It's something that is life-shattering. It's circumstance-changing. And it's simply a gift of God. 
You know, Jesus came and he gave his life to pay for our sin and shame, but he did it for what reason? He did it so we could have peace with God. Do you know the Bible says that outside of Christ, we are enemies of God? It says to love the things of the world is to have enmity, hatred for God. And if we are enemies, if we're at war with God, there is no peace. There is none. Jesus came and died to give us that peace. In fact, in Isaiah 53, verse 5, Isaiah 53, verse 5, this is all about Jesus. Six, seven hundred years before he was born. This is just one verse, though. It says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was brewed for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. The chastisement, the beating, the punishment for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we were healed. That means that, check this out, guys. Our peace, it's already paid for. It's already paid for. You don't have to go looking real far to get it. If you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've admitted, Lord, I know I'm guilty and there's nothing I can do about that. I need your forgiveness. Your peace has been paid for. And if you, if you receive peace with God through Christ, we can have peace in all things. Because in Colossians 1.17, it says, in Christ all things consist. All things consist. If we don't have Christ, we don't have peace. And guess what? Without him, you never will. Ever. Who here, who here can, can say, you know, before I was a Christian, I just had so much peace. I was so emotionally stable. My life was so great. I, I want to see that hand from anyone. I did not think so. Okay? <laughs> did not think so. Doesn't happen. But, Check this out. It says, and let, right? So there's something we have to do. There is a conscience, a conscious decision. There is, there is something we have to go to God with. Say, <laughs> let him know, Lord, I want that peace you paid for. Give it to me. And it says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Rule. If you don't get anything else out of this message, I want you to write this verse down, Colossians 3.15. And throughout this week, I want you to read it over and over and over again. And I want you just to, to consider that. Just to soak that up. Let the peace of God rule. Rule in your heart. And I want you to pray and I want you to ask God, what the heck does that mean? What does that really mean? Because I can give you an answer right now. There's lots of people in this room who could give an answer. But I want you to ask God, what does that really mean? To let your peace be what rules my heart. Because if we're not focused on that, there's a whole lot of things in this world that want to rule. Your mind, your heart, your emotions. Ladies, emotions, you know. 
Don't let it. But it says, and, and be thankful. Thank the Lord. Right, and, I, and when I was reading this, I was thinking of, a, again in Luke, there's a story of, of ten lepers in Luke 17. And so, everybody know what leprosy is? It's a disease. Your, your nerves go numb. And so, I mean, you could be sleeping, a mouse come up and eat you, and you don't even know it. Your flesh starts to rot. It's, it's bad stuff. Really bad stuff, okay? Um, so, there's these ten lepers, and they're pretty much untouchable. They, you don't mess with lepers, right? And they're walking past and they see Jesus, and they make a really long story short, Jesus heals these 10 lepers, okay? They are untouchable outside of society for the rest of their life. They get healed, they meet Jesus. They're clean, they're clean. Jesus says, you go and show yourself to the priests. Let them declare you're clean. So all 10 of these lepers leave, right? And then what happens? Does anybody know what happens after that? One comes back. He says, thank you. And he worships at Jesus' feet. Thank you. Thank you for making me clean. Thank you. Jesus says, wait a minute. Weren't there 10 of y'all? Where's the other nine? Weren't 10 healed? And one says thank you? I mean, I don't know if Jesus was a math major, but... That doesn't sound like a good ratio. <laughs> That's a lie. Jesus is a math major. <laughs> he made it up. So check this out. Luke 16.10 says, He is f- who is faithful in the least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. So check this out. What if part of our faithfulness, the least that God has given us? What if part of our faithfulness to the Lord is simply being glad and thankful for what he's already done in our life? What if that's part of the faithfulness that God has called us to? And when I say what if, it really is. (laughs) Right? What if this whole time you've been wondering, Lord, when are you going to bless me? Lord, I see that brother, that sister over there, and look what you're doing for them. Lord, when are you going to do that for me? What if you said, Lord, when are you going to move this out of my life? Lord, when are you going to send me here, here? Lord, what are you doing? And what if God looks at every last breath you ever took in your life? And how he literally holds your molecules together. And how you wake up in the richest country, one of the richest countries in the world. And he says, when are you going to thank me? When are you going to thank me? Because if we aren't thankful for the small things, the Bible says we're not going to be thankful for the big things. And the things that I have to think about when I read through this passage and I consider the oath we took and how it all makes together is if my children don't see me saying, Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. How am I going to expect to see them do that? Not just to God. How am I going to expect them to show that type of gratitude? Who said it? Who said it? Someone give that person a cupcake. The gratitude that they need to show. 
Now we're going to have Vincent Patience fighting over who got the words, because last time he had the big word. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder, like, how many people are actually listening to this recording and trying to figure out what the heck am I talking about? Anyways, if we're not thankful in the small things, God already knows we're not going to be thankful in the big things. And a selfish man with a lot of really nice stuff, you know what happens to that man? He becomes a really prideful man or woman. You know what the Bible says about pride? Comes before the fall. Comes before the fall. And one of the things I love about my Lord, as if I could make a list, which I can't, it's too much, but is I know that God is not in the business of giving me things that he knows is going to hurt me. Even if it's a good thing. Because guess what? He might be able to bless Amber and Becky with this stuff, and it's amazing, it's a great blessing, but he knows if I get it, I'm going to say great. And I'm going to forget all about him. And God is in the business of blessing me. (laughs) I love that, man. We have a good father. You know, if my son is crying because he really wants that steak knife, I'm not just going to hand it to him. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's not going to happen. Okay? For me to have a steak knife, that's great. I know how to use it. That guy, he's a little crazy. (laughs) Right? It's It's a little scary. Verse 16. Let, the, let God's peace rule your heart, guys. Understand that's something he paid for, something you own right now. Quit letting the world become your focus and try and rule you when you've already been paid for. He goes on to say also, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and in hymns and in spiritual songs and singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. If we are people of kindness and patience, if we're people who are meek, who wait on the Lord, if we advertise love and we're thankful because God's peace is starting to rule our life, man, you found yourself in the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, his word is law, it is procedure, it is culture, it is life, it is etiquette, it is substance, it is everything. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. The word of God. In fact, Matthew 4, 4, Jesus, when he's tempted, I believe, yeah, I believe so, yeah. Jesus, when he's tempted in the wilderness by Satan, he says to Satan, let me quote it here. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We have to allow the word of Christ to dwell in us, which means we've got we've to soak it in. We've got to bring it in. I was telling, uh, I was telling Josh, maybe, both, maybe Josh and Haley, I don't know, the other day, I was telling him I was driving, and I can't remember why, some, something stupid, I mean, I was thinking, oh, man, it's going to get cold. I was thinking about the jackets I have, and I was like, man. I started thinking about, man, I could get a cool jacket. Like, I'd be doing all this, you know. And I'm like, I ain't got money for a jacket. What am I talking about? I'm going to go buy a jacket if I wanted to. But that's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about a, I don't know, I'm thinking about a jacket. 
Don't judge me. All right? And I stopped and I thought, you know, I, kn I know I don't need to be sitting here focusing on, an, on a stupid jacket. I don't need a jacket. I got jackets. Right? I give you, you want a jacket? I'll give you a jacket. Okay? I don't need a jacket. But uh, here I am. I'm focusing on this jacket and I'm thinking, this is stupid, man. I don't, I don't need to be focusing on this. But you know what I kept doing? Focus on a stupid jacket. And I thought to myself, or maybe the Lord thought to me, kind of went through my head. So I wonder what the word, the word of God says about this. And immediately it just came to me. Is not your body meant for more than clothes? It's not life more than food? It's in Matthew chapter 6, right? Verses 25 through 34. That's all, that's all it was. That's all he gave me. Boom. That's what the word of God says. And as soon as I heard his word, suddenly all that stupid desire about a freaking jacket that I don't even need, it left. It left. And I went, huh. And I started to think about how I used to every single morning I would wake up when I was first reading the word of God. I hadn't read it before. And I, was, I would wake up and I would read it and I would soak it in. And I would just feel God speaking to me. And then it was like every day, whatever I read, I would see it in life. Or I'd be at a Bible study and they'd say something. I'd, I'd be able to, hey, hey, I just read this this morning. Let me tell you what it said. Or I'd be talking to someone and they, they'd say something. about, man, guess what I just read today? And I got to see how God's word was transforming in my life. And you know what the outcome of that was? About letting it dwell in me? Is it gave me wisdom. And that's what it says. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. When you begin, it's crazy. Y'all aren't going to know what the heck I'm talking about. There's a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. One of Hagen or somebody, Amber, somebody shared a post by Jared Wilson who quoted him. And I'm looking at this like I am reading this guy right now. That's weird. But he says that all of ethics and all of philosophy is falls, it fails. It's crazy. Don't even waste your time with it. Because the only path to wisdom is through simplicity. And the only path to simplicity is staring into the truth of God. And I was like, dang, dog. That is so true. Life becomes simple. We become wise. And then God says, what I give you, you go teach. You go tell others. You admonish them, you warn them, you encourage them with it. And do it in a way that you are together in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Grace to your heart to the Lord. I think my, my wife probably has invisible earplugs I don't, I don't know about. Because sometimes a, a song gets stuck in my head. I've been singing, what, what's that song, uh? What's it called? Is it Great Are You? Great Are You, Lord? I have been singing that perpetually for like two weeks straight. Not even kidding. And I am not a good singer. <laughs> and it is amazing. It's amazing. Because when we begin to praise God, that's what we were built for. And something in your spirit stirs up. And when you go and you grab your brothers and you grab your sisters, you bring them together and you worship together. You begin to see more and more of a picture of God because his people, his body are joining together and he's being worshiped and he loves it. And I love it. It's great. And he loves it. Let his word dwell in you and let it produce wisdom. Have something to share with others and let it work in your heart in a way where psalms and hymns and praises of the God just flows through you. And verse 17, oh, I totally forgot I had notes over here. And verse 17, 
whatever you do, rather you're speaking, rather you're, you're working in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him, through Jesus. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. You know, Jesus says if you give a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, in my name, it will not be forgotten. It will not be forgotten. Now, that's interesting because I think a lot of us, a lot of people, they do a lot of great things, right? Out of, you know, Christian or religious attitudes. They do a lot of good things. Pay a lot of money, help a lot of people. But they don't do it in the name of Christ. Maybe they, maybe they think they are. But if I walk up and I help someone on the street and I give them a cup, a cup of cold water and I say, hey, man, I'm glad I could help you. Have a nice day. Who's going to get the praise for that? This guy. He's going to walk off and say, man, that guy, he's a really nice guy. That guy, Darren, I'm going to remember that guy. That doesn't happen. People don't like me. But, uh, <laughs> but if I say, hey, hey, let me help you. Here, here's this. Here, you want some food? Here's this. Here's some water. And you know what, man, I'm doing this. I'm doing this in the name of Jesus because he loves you. Now, he might think I'm crazy because that happens. Je- where's Jeffrey? Jeffrey almost, got <laughs> Jeffrey almost got beat up for trying to give a guy some food the other night in the name of Jesus. But you know what? Christ is getting glorified. And even if I never see that guy again, maybe he does accept my help. If I never see him again, he's going to remember that guy who did something for him when no one else did, and he did it in the name of Jesus. And so one day when he's walking down the street or when he stops in the church because he's tired, he's homeless, and he hears, he hears a sermon about the love of God and grace and how God provides things when we can't, he's going to remember that time. He's going to remember it was in the name of Jesus. God gets glorified. I receive award in heaven. Woo. So that's a plus too. Do all that you do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. To love God is to always, always, always be keeping our eyes up and saying, what am I doing and how can I do it for Christ? Not for me, not for the church, not for my ministry, not for, I don't know, whatever. For the Lord. Because if love drives us, you know the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. If I'm, if I'm trying to share, share my testimony because it's a rule, that's a scary thing to do. But when I look at someone and I, and I see the love of God for that person, that fear will begin to fade. Let love drive us, not knowledge, not wisdom, not rules or regulations, because without love, all those things fail. But guys, we are called, we are elect, and we are being called by the living God. For those who already have received the forgiveness and freedom in Christ, he says, man, you're holy right now. You are holy. I've set you apart. I've made you clean. You are mine right now. And you are loved. And peace has already been made for you. You just have to reach out and take it. So consider that verse. What, what was it? Verse fit three, Colossians 3.15. And pray about this this week. Let it, the peace of God rule your heart so that everything that comes in and out of you is governed not by the world or your emotions, but by that peace. 
and let Jesus be formed in your life so that everywhere you go, everything you do, Christ is seen, Christ is heard, and Christ is the one being worshiped. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much, Lord, for just who you are and the overwhelming love that you have for your people, Father. Even your people who don't want anything to do with you, you still love them. You still give them grace and mercy, Lord. Father God, let us walk in in that and let us look at you and let us see that meekness and that kindness. Let us see that humility. And Father God, let us be clothed in it. Let us put on your love. Lord Jesus, and I pray for all of us this week, Father God, that you would lift our eyes up to you so that the struggles and the issues of our lives, our relationships, all these things work, they would fade away. And Lord, teach us to allow your peace to rule our hearts. Because Lord, you never change. You never change. So Lord, let us rest in you. Father God, I pray for anyone in this room who has never received you, Lord, who's hurting, who's broken, who's tired. Lord, your word says, come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And Lord, you died on the cross for their sins. You gave your own blood for their forgiveness. So Lord, do a work in their heart, anyone who needs it, and let them know that by calling out to you, Lord, forgive me, Lord, save me, that you will make them new. You will make them new, and they will have an open relationship with you forever. And Father God, guide us to be your servants, to be your children, Lord, and to love like you love. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.